Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. This is episode number 19, Breaking My Leg During a Deployment. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do when you're doing it, all while holding down the fort at home, but you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. For this episode today, I've decided to share the story with you guys of when I broke my leg during my husband's first deployment in 2013. I was going to wait a while to share this story, but yesterday was the six-year anniversary from when I had this injury, and I decided that it was a great time to share it on the podcast. So I wrote down my whole experience about three years ago, and that's what I'm going to read to you today. I've modified a few things to make it fit where I am today. So here we go. I hope you enjoy. On Sunday, December 8th of 2013, at about 3.30 in the afternoon, I slipped in the snow and broke my ankle and fibula and displaced my kneecap while Brad was deployed. Ten days later, I had surgery on my ankle and my knee to repair the damage. It's been six years, but I can still remember the despair I felt when the doctor told me that my knee surgery had been unsuccessful and that the damage had been worse than we all thought. Still working to overcome the after effects of the anesthesia, all I wanted in that moment was Brad. Let me back up a little bit. The events that led up to my injury are very clear in my mind and very important to me because our brains tend to replay the last parts of our lives that were normal before trauma has occurred and changed everything. So Brad left for a year-long deployment about two weeks before my injury. My parents came the day he left and stayed with us for a week through the Thanksgiving holiday. The next day, I loaded up our car, piled my four kids in, and drove us to Montana to spend a week with my sister Jenica and her kids. My sister's husband had a work trip for a week, so we had some fun, non-husband time, and my kids got cousin time. We returned home late on Saturday night, December 7th, the day before my injury, after a day of not great weather and not great road conditions. So I was worn out and a little frazzled from making the trip by myself and needing to be on high alert while I drove On top of that, when we walked in the house, the kitchen and basement were flooded. My heart dropped when my oldest daughter said, Mom, the kitchen floor is all wet. I had made a big mistake that makes it clear that we were new homeowners at the time. Don't ever turn your furnace off when leaving for a trip in the winter. Just turn it down. I turned ours off and the dishwasher pipe had frozen and broken during the week we were away as the temperature dropped below zero for the first time that winter. Anyway, I had my friend turn my furnace back on that morning while we were driving home, and as our house warmed up throughout the day, the frozen water thawed and started to leak, covering the kitchen floor and dripping down into the basement. Fortunately, our basement was unfinished at the time, so it was a much easier cleanup because there were just several carpet pieces laid out on the floor. Also, it hadn't been going on too long by the time we got home that evening, so there wasn't like a lot of standing water in the basement. It was a pretty challenging experience, but there were several ways that it could have been a lot worse. I was able to quickly turn off the water to the dishwasher, which also stopped hot water from going to my kitchen sink, under the kitchen sink, and sop up the water on the kitchen floor. Then I unloaded the car and got the kids in bed, and that was all I had in me. This was basically the first night that I had faced my empty house with no husband, and the idea of it was glaring me in the face because I was facing this big, wet mess. I decided to just go to bed 
and get up early and face what was on my plate. Sunday morning brought a snowy driveway that needed to be shoveled, a sopping wet basement that needed to be cleaned up, a Release Society lesson to fine-tune, kids to bathe and dress, and myself to shower and get ready all before 11 a.m. for church. I would have ignored the driveway, but I wanted to pull the van out of the garage so that I could bring the wet carpet pieces in there because I couldn't just throw them in the backyard due to the snow. I set several goals for this deployment, and one of my goals was to let people help me. I knew that there were things that people could help me with and things that I just needed to do myself. So I needed to identify those things that were easy for other people to do and then let them do it. I knew that shoveling the driveway was one of those things and I should ask other people to do it, but I needed it done first thing this morning and early so that I could get to work on the basement. So I had Jane and Marin get in the shower and Bruce and Kate get in the bath after breakfast. I laid out everyone's church clothes and instructed Jane and Marin as they got out of their shower to get dressed and hang out with Bruce and Kate while they finished playing in their bath. Then I got to work on the driveway. I was able to shovel it pretty quickly and it felt good, but I did get hot and sweaty. I backed the van out and then got Bruce and Kate out of the bath, dressed, and all four kids in front of a VeggieTales movie. So now it was time to get to work on the basement. I was able to roll up each of the four rugs and let them drain into the exposed drain. I then flipped the roll the other way quickly so it wouldn't drip and ran it upstairs and out into the garage. After doing this four times and then using a push broom to get the rest of the water into the drain, I was even more sweaty, dirty, and gross. It was about 10.15 at this point and the kids were still watching their movie. So I ran upstairs, showered and got ready for church and was feeling pretty good. I still didn't feel totally ready for my lesson, but I was out of time. So I asked Heavenly Father to be with me and help me deliver the lesson that the sisters needed to hear, and I headed off to church. I was so impressed that we were at church and sitting down in sacrament meeting at 11.07 a.m. My standard for on time when I have to take little kids to church alone is to make it in time for taking the sacrament, not in time for church to start. So in my book, I was on time. I did not think I would be able to pull that off with the morning I had. I read over my lesson one more time during sacrament meeting and was feeling all right. I have to say that my lesson went so well. I was emotional, of course, but told the sisters that I knew I was going to cry and that my goal was just not to apologize for it over and over. I bore testimony of my Savior and of what celebrating Christmas meant to me. The Spirit was strong and I shared some feelings that I was having about Brad's deployment. I shared with these women that even though life can be hard sometimes and that trials will come our way, I knew that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are always with us, which increases our capacity to bear these challenges. I closed with my testimony, got some good feedback, picked up my kids, and headed home. It had snowed a lot throughout the week that we were in Montana, and when the girls saw all of the deep, beautiful, untouched snow in our backyard on Sunday morning, they were dying to get out there and play. We usually don't really play in the snow on Sunday, but I told them that we would for a bit after church before going down to Provo for Sunday dinner at Brad's parents' house. So after getting everyone fed and Bruce into bed for a nap, all of the girls got in their snow clothes and headed outside. I was still in my church skirt, so I just slipped on my snow boots and headed outside with them. I called Brad through FaceTime to chat with him and let him watch his cute girls playing in the snow for a while. Then I was just going to take a few pictures and go back inside to let, and let the kids finish playing. I was playing with my dog, who loves snow, and I went to kick some snow at her with my right foot. So all of my weight was on my left leg and my left foot started to slip, my kneecap displaced, and my leg and ankle went pop, pop, and I fell to the ground. I immediately felt my kneecap, and fortunately it was already back in place, which is why I say it was displaced instead of dislocated. Dislocated means that it stays out of socket, and displaced means it goes back in by itself. 
I know a lot about this because I've had bad knees for a lot of my life. I dislocated this same knee in seventh grade, displaced it in eighth grade, and then again in ninth grade. Thank you, soccer. And then I had surgery on both of my knees in 10th grade and never played soccer competitively again. I had surgery on both knees to repair damage and attempt to prevent any further injuries, and I haven't really had any problems with my knees since then, as long as I take good care of them. Anyway, my kids continued to run around and play, not realizing that anything had happened. A thought that I remember having pretty immediately after getting hurt, which was my attempt at having a sense of humor in crisis, was... Well, we had a good run, but I guess this is the end of the Ellertsons. <laughs> my brain could not compute a world where I was the only parent and majorly injured. I was amazed at how I wasn't in much pain, thank you, shock and adrenaline, because I was pretty sure that I knew what had just happened, even though I've never broken a bone before in my life. Due to the lack of pain, as long as I wasn't moving, I allowed myself to hope that maybe this injury wasn't as bad as it seemed it was as it happened. Luckily, my phone was in my pocket since I had just been talking to Brad, so I immediately called him and he did not answer. I then thought, who could get to me the fastest? So I called my next door neighbors. They seemed to be over about 10 seconds later, and then we had to figure out what to do. All I could think was, I cannot be hurt. I even said that out loud over and over. Shock set in quickly, and so did my panic and anxiety as I realized how severe the injury was. I felt the pain of the injury as we began moving me, and as I thought about being a temporary single mother with a broken leg. My neighbors had a wheelchair, and we were able to get me into it. They then wheeled me through the snow around the side of the house and onto the driveway where their van was waiting. One of my neighbors took me to the emergency room while the other stayed with all of the kids, mine and theirs. I could not stop crying or get control of myself because of the pain and the panic. I called my parents and Brad's parents and somehow let them know what was going on through my sobbing. I was also able to get a hold of Brad to tell him the awful news as we drove to the ER. He was so upset and felt so helpless. At the ER, the nice nurse that helped me out of the van and into a wheelchair instructed me on ways to breathe to help me calm down a bit, which was nice, but I was still freaking out. They got me into a bed pretty quickly, but it took a couple of hours to meet with a nurse, meet with the doctor, then the x-ray guy, and then with the doctor again. During that time, Brad's parents came up. Carol went to my house to relieve my neighbor, and Dan came to the hospital to relieve my friend. Thank goodness for amazing neighbors and family. Dan gave me the sweetest blessing with so much love and tenderness. However, he did not bless my leg to not be severely injured, but he blessed me to be able to find peace in my heart. The doctor came in shortly after that and let me know that the ankle was very much broken and that I would definitely need surgery. They also let me know that my fibula, the smaller non-weight-bearing bone in the calf, was broken and that they could tell that my knee was injured, but that nothing seemed to be broken. This was pretty shocking because in all of my previous knee injuries when I was younger, the only injury was my knee, never other parts of my leg. So after my blessing and finally knowing what was happening inside my leg, I was still extremely distressed, but began to calm down a bit. They put me in a full straight leg splint to hold my ankle and knee in place and sent me home with some prescriptions and a recommendation to go see an orthopedic surgeon right away. At home, we soon realized that I would not be able to get upstairs to my room, and Carol and I swapped rooms, and I took over the guest room, and she took over the master bedroom upstairs. That ended up working out well, since I couldn't do anything for the kids anyway, who all sleep upstairs. I was really worried that I would be up all night alone, without Brad, and in pain, and unable to sleep. But the pain meds were amazing. I set alarms to wake up during the night and take pain pills, and besides those minor interruptions, I slept through the whole night so well. On Monday morning, I felt like I woke up a different person. I had accepted the reality of this injury and was ready to move forward. 
My parents, who were in California at the time, rearranged their plans and began driving to Utah on Tuesday morning to stay with me and care for me and my kids. Dan and Carol took care of me until they were able to get there. My sister Jenica also changed her Christmas plans and came to Utah with her two little ones to help. I was in quite a bit of pain, mostly from my ankle, but the medications managed it pretty well. The temporary cast I was in was very uncomfortable and hard to manage. I couldn't stand up for long without all of the blood rushing into my ankle and making it throb. I would also get lightheaded, nauseated, and run out of energy quickly when standing up, so I pretty much just stayed in bed, except getting up to go to the bathroom. I was also really struggling with the crutches because I couldn't figure out how to pick up my leg enough in the straight leg cast without using my injured knee and causing myself a lot of pain. So I would get pushed in the wheelchair to the bathroom. On Monday, I experienced quite a bit of nausea as well and ended up throwing up three times. Other things I remember from that day were thinking, I'm so glad I got my basement cleaned up before this happened so that no one else had to do it. Another difficulty that hit us head on that day was having no hot water in my kitchen and no dishwasher. I have a vivid memory of my amazing mother-in-law doing dishes in my bathtub so that she could have hot water and we wouldn't get overrun by dirty dishes. One of my awesome neighbors came over on Monday night and fixed my dishwasher so that we could turn the water back on and resolve all of that. I had an appointment on Tuesday morning with Dr. Daniel Richards, the orthopedic surgeon that the ER recommended to me. Dan and Carol both had commitments, so I arranged for a friend to take the younger two kids while the older two were in school, and my sister-in-law Megan came up and took me to the doctor. He is a great doctor and took my knee injury very seriously, which I was worried he wouldn't, especially since they really didn't at the ER. Anyway, I was able to get the ER splint removed, and they re-splinted just my ankle and gave me a great brace for my knee. This made a huge difference in my ability to move and my level of comfort. We made a plan for surgery for Friday or Monday, depending on getting an MRI and my swelling. Sweet Megan painted my toenails in the doctor's office while I had the splint off and we were waiting for the doctor to come in. They really needed it, and when you're injured, you spend a lot of time looking at your feet. I remember the doctor being really surprised that all I did was slip in the snow, and he even said, it looks like a bomb went off inside your leg. He couldn't believe that I wasn't doing something more traumatic when I injured myself. Here is part of a letter that I wrote to Brad around this time. I really feel like the past couple of days have been some of the hardest I've had in a long time, and today things finally started to lift and look up. You got to fly again, which was great, and it seemed like you had a really good day. I got all of the TRICARE stuff figured out, and we're good to go. My mom washed my hair, and dinner was delicious. I took a good nap, figured out Kate's birthday, and some things about the next couple of weeks. I had good snuggles and conversations with all of the kids, all good things. Can I just say that these pain pills are the most amazing thing? Occasionally, I accidentally let too much time pass and the pain gets out of hand and is miserable. Then I take a pain pill and pretty quickly the relief washes over me and I'm just so happy. They are also really helping me stay relaxed and sleep so well. Since my brain is always a little fuzzy, it's not driving me too crazy to sit in bed day after day. It doesn't mean it's always easy, but thank goodness for the drugs. I'm hoping that I'll be able to get in for an MRI tomorrow, and they'll say that the swelling looks good enough to do the surgery Friday. I'm trying not to feel in a rush because I just want to do what's best for my body, but the sooner I get the surgery done, the sooner I start healing, and the sooner I get the surgery done, the better I'll be when you come home for Christmas. I'm sad that I won't be able to just jump up and hug you when I see you in a couple of weeks. The only surgery you've really seen me go through is my gallbladder removal surgery, and this one is going to be very different and much more difficult. It is going to be a long, slow recovery, and we're going to have to be patient. 
I'm just going to focus on how I'll feel this summer when I'm all better and I'm on my way to Europe to visit you. I think getting both surgeries is a good idea because I just need to be able to count on my knee being strong so that something like this never happens again. The drugs are coming on strong now and it is hard to keep my eyes open. The vision of my leg breaking played over and over in my mind the first week after my injury. It's amazing how much of this whole battle is mental and not just physical. I was able to get an MRI on the Friday after my injury, but before my surgery. They didn't need me to take off any of my ACE bandages to get the MRI, so I didn't get to see if the swelling was down. Even though I didn't get any new information during this MRI, I was happy to know that my surgeon had as much information as was possible before surgery. At this point, my surgery was scheduled for Monday, but ended up getting pushed back to Tuesday. I ended up running out of my painkillers over the weekend because I hadn't been paying attention and it was rough. My doctor's office doesn't fill prescriptions for narcotics on the weekend. I remember it feeling like we were drowning. Maybe not drowning, but not just neck deep either. I felt like I just had my lips out of the water, barely breathing. Here's another letter that I wrote to Brad. I feel like I have really received some inspiration today about the timing of this trial. Even though at first it seemed like this was the worst possible time that God could have allowed me to break my leg because you are gone and I am being a single parent. The more I think about it, the more I realize that this timing is amazingly ideal. Actually, a better way to say it is there are so many other times and scenarios that would have been much, much worse. For example, if it had happened any earlier, it could have happened in Alabama when I didn't have any family support and my parents were on a mission. Or if it had happened when we first moved here to this house, we wouldn't have been settled in yet. The ward wouldn't have known us, and we would have been going through all of the Kelly stuff as well. If it happened any later, I could have been pregnant when I got hurt and fell. Or it could have happened the next day when I was walking down the stairs holding Bruce after a nap. I think basically that my knee has been wearing down slowly for 15 years since my last surgery and was due for an injury. Once the orthopedic surgeon explained to me that there was a much better procedure to fix my knee than what the last surgeon did on my knee, I realized that the way my knee was would have never lasted me the next 30 plus years. So I think that Heavenly Father was actually really looking out for me when he allowed me to get hurt right now because my parents are so available, the kids are in a really good place, and it's not time to have a baby yet. Anyway, I can go on and on, but now that I have realized that, I have had even more peace in my heart. That weekend, we celebrated Kate's birthday with a few of her little friends. My sister and mom ran the party while I watched from the couch. Later that day, my sister shaved my legs for me, which was such a sweet gift. All throughout this time, and actually off and on for months, I received so much love and service from my ward, neighborhood, family, and friends. Tons of people brought us meals, took my kids to play, helped clean my house, shoveled snow on my driveway, gave me and my children rides, and so much more. We even had some unknown person or group do the 12 days of Christmas for our family, which was so fun for my kids. I had surgery on Tuesday, December 17th. Surgery is hard. There are things in life that get easier the more you do it because of your experience, but surgery is the opposite. It gets harder and harder to do it the more you do it because you are so aware of how hard it is. I was relieved to have the surgery finally happening and getting behind me, but stressed about the whole thing. I had to wait in the waiting room for over an hour and was in so much pain. I was hungry because I'd been fasting since the night before and overall just super uncomfortable because I couldn't put my bad leg up. My appointment time was 1.30 and we got there early. I didn't get back to a room until almost 3 o'clock. 
then an hour or so of preparations with the nurses. I had great nurses. That always makes me happy. The anesthesiologist seemed good and let me know that he was going to do a nerve block in my leg in addition to the general anesthesia. After saying goodbye to my mom as they wheeled me back, I got pretty upset and I just couldn't stay calm, so they gave me something to help with that. Thank goodness. I still couldn't stop crying even though I felt better and the nurses kept asking me if what they were doing was hurting. It wasn't. Thank goodness I soon was out cold. Waking up from this surgery was horrible. I was shaking all over my body, almost to the point of convulsing. I was in a lot of pain in my leg. That made me really mad. I was also irrational. Because I thought the nerve block meant that I wouldn't wake up in pain. Thankfully, the recovery nurse was very kind and reassured me over and over as I repeatedly asked for my mother, told her I was in so much pain, asked her how the surgery went, asked why I couldn't stop shaking, expressed how cold I was, etc. When I finally calmed down after getting some additional medications for pain and panic, I was able to be moved out of recovery and into a room. That's when I got to see my mom and I made her tell me how the surgery went. I could tell something was up because the recovery nurse wouldn't tell me anything. My mom hesitantly shared with me that the ankle surgery went well, but the knee surgery not as well. The knee injury was much more severe than anyone knew and would require more surgery. So basically all he was able to do was open up my knee, remove the bone fragments and torn cartilage, examine the damage, and close me back up. I was devastated. The only thing getting me to and through this surgery was knowing that doing it would head me down the path of healing. That was a rough night. My dad came down to the hospital to help. I didn't get home from the hospital until after 10 p.m. I was in a lot of pain and had to go to the bathroom over and over because of all the IV fluids. I still hadn't accepted the new direction this trial had taken. Once again, the next morning, after a great night's sleep, I was a new woman and ready to face my new reality. Brad came home for three days at Christmas, which was amazing but hard. His unit was still finishing up training in Texas and not headed to Kosovo until January, so everyone was given a four-day pass for Christmas, and they could go home if they wanted to. I was so glad to see him, but it was so hard to be broken for that limited, precious time we had together. Hard on him, too, since there wasn't anything he could do to make it better besides just loving and supporting me. I was so happy for the kids to have their dad for Christmas. He drove through the night and got home early on Christmas Eve morning and climbed into our big Christmas tree box on our front porch and rang the doorbell to surprise the kids because they didn't know when he was coming home. Such a good surprise. They were so happy. Our wedding anniversary is December 28th, so we were also able to celebrate that in the short time he was home. After soaking up these few bittersweet days, we had to say goodbye again, which was pretty terrible. Goodbyes are so difficult, especially to see the toll it takes on the kids. I received an epic amount of service during the time of my injury. So much every day that I would take time each night to write thank you emails and texts. Because if I didn't do it every day, I would get behind quickly and possibly get mixed up who did what or even forget, mostly because of the pain pills. It's interesting because everyone was already on call and ready to serve me and my family just because of Brad's deployment. So as people found out that I broke my leg, they were just there at my house and ready to serve. This trial has been so public, for lack of a better word, because like I said, I was already on so many people's radars for the trial of being a solo parent for a year. So when I broke my leg and had this additional trial added to my plate, people were really upset for me. It's hard to explain, but as I began to share what I had learned through this trial and how Heavenly Father was showing me that this was always the plan, 
I would see true relief in people. That helped me realize and I received some inspiration about the importance of sharing what I have learned throughout all of this with people who wanted to know so that they could receive peace in their hearts as I had. Here's a letter that I wrote to update all of mine and Brad's siblings. First off, I want to say Happy New Year. Now it's time for an injury update. I went to the doctor yesterday for my post-op checkup and to schedule my next surgery. I now have a clear understanding of the extent of the damage in my knee and it's pretty discouraging. The doctor has a plan to repair the damage, but there's a chance that the new donor bone won't heal to my bone. We won't know for a couple of months if the donor bone is working and during that waiting time, I can't really use my knee. If the repair doesn't work, then I'll have to get a third surgery to resurface the underside of my patella. Also, we were unable to schedule my surgery because we have to wait until they have a donor patella in their system that matches mine in size. So the timeline of all of this has become quite daunting. But I'm just incredibly happy that I have family and friends in my life caring for me and my sweet kids. This has been a really amazing experience. I have come to better understand the big picture of this trial At the time of the injury, all I could think was how this was the worst possible timing for something like this to happen, and how would we survive. Slowly over the past few weeks, Heavenly Father has helped me see how my knee was due for an injury, and how the timing of this is weirdly ideal. It's so comforting to understand that Heavenly Father knew that my knee was weak and vulnerable, and that it was only a matter of time before I got hurt. Then he looked at my life and he said, She's going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to allow it to happen right here. I did think he was crazy at first, but now I know that he was looking out for me and this whole experience has just shown me again how much he cares for me and is mindful of my needs and my family. Even though Brad is gone, which makes this harder in a lot of ways, in some ways it's surprisingly easier. Even if he were home and not deployed, he would still be working full time and I would still need additional assistance. Since he is gone, it has been easier for my parents and his parents to just take turns living here and running the show in their own way without having to figure out schedules and how to make it all work between so many adults. I think it's been easier for the kids too, in a way, giving them a more predictable and consistent environment. I'm really grateful for that because I worry about my kids with all of this going on. I mean, Brad had only been gone for two weeks when I was injured, so they weren't even used to him being gone yet, and now their mom is broken. Anyway, even though I struggle with the end of this trial getting pushed further and further away, I'm just so grateful to know that it will end. It has helped me really count my blessings and see that all of the really important things in my life are still there and are still good. It's amazing how right now I would give anything to be able to change Bruce's diaper, potty train him, make dinner, shovel my driveway, drive carpool, do bedtime, etc., I think feeling this way is really going to help me stay in the right frame of mind as I finish this deployment by myself when I can walk again. One thing that helps me keep the right perspective is knowing that there are so many worse trials I could be facing. My kids and husband are healthy, we have a job, and I'm surrounded by loved ones. It's going to be very hard, but I know I'm going to be okay. Thank you to everyone for your service, love, and kind, encouraging, and supportive words and prayers. I hope you realize how much that means to me and my family. I love you all, and I'll keep you updated. To wrap up this story, I waited for a donor patella for over two months with no luck. I would sit in a recliner in my living room with my leg propped up all day, every day, to try and be as involved with the family as possible. I had a wheelchair and would attempt to get around and accomplish things, but my house was not wheelchair-friendly at all. I graduated to crutches, which increased my mobility, but I was still unable to do much since you can't carry anything while operating crutches. Every night for the first month or so, whoever was living with me would help me get settled in my bed, usually my dad. 
He'd take time to prop tons of pillows in all of the right places because I couldn't adjust much during the night on my own to get more comfortable. I just stayed in one position all night. I remember feeling more discouraged at night than in the day and saying to my dad, how can I face this another day? He would optimistically reply, get some sleep and we'll do it all again tomorrow. I ended up getting a second opinion and going with a different plan. For those of you that are curious, because I never canceled my first plan, I was matched with a donor patella in March, about three and a half months after my first surgery, and I graciously declined it so that it could go to the next person on the list now that I was headed in in a new direction. My second doctor said, let's get you into physical therapy and just see what happens. If your knee is in tons of pain, then we can start to think about surgery again. I'm so grateful that I went this route because even though the physical therapy that I had to do to regain mobility in my knee and get my ankle working again was one of the most painful things I've ever done in my life, my knee does not hurt almost ever. My first doctor was sure that with all of the cartilage and bone fragments that he removed during my knee surgery in December, that it would basically just be bone on bone when I used my knee and jagged bone on bone at that. He couldn't imagine a scenario that wouldn't be excruciatingly painful for me not to mention further damaging the parts of my knee that were still intact. What he couldn't have predicted was the way that my knee filled with scar tissue while I sat around for months waiting for my donor bone. While this scar tissue is the reason physical therapy was so incredibly difficult, it's also the reason I am not in pain. The only thing we can figure is that it must be acting as a buffer between the parts of my knee that move and rub together because once I regain my mobility, It seriously did not hurt to use my knee. When I tell people what happened to me that day, I say, I slipped in the snow and I broke four bones in my leg, my ankle, my fibula, the underside of my patella, and the corner of my femur broke off. When bones break instead of just tendons getting torn or damaged, like if you tear your ACL, there's a lot more internal bleeding. In fact, my first doctor let me know at a follow-up appointment that my knee was so filled with blood that when they made the initial incision during my knee surgery, bloodshot across the OR, which was a first for him. He is a surgeon, and I'm sure he's seen a lot, and he admitted that it even grossed him out. Then later on, because of the broken bones and internal bleeding, there is a lot more scar tissue. While using my knee is not painful, it does not have full function because we never repaired it. For years, I couldn't run or jump, and I always guarded it. I can put it all the way straight, but I still can't bend it all the way, like sitting back on my heels when I'm kneeling. Today, my knee is amazingly strong, and while I still have to be smart, there are not a lot of things I can't do. I'm amazed that I can run for a ways and even jump a little now. I can do all normal functions. I love to take walks and go on hikes, and the best exercise for it is stationary bikes and elliptical machines. I'm so grateful for this crazy journey I went on with this injury. I learned so much. And it truly played a big role in making me the person I am today. It just goes to show that the universe is constantly conspiring in your favor. Well, that's what I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed that story. I really enjoyed sharing it with you. Thank you so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If this podcast resonates with you, please send an email to jessie at simplyresilient.net to schedule your free life coaching mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. Remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.